When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My name is Dan Lobby. For today's podcast, we're bringing back a name Browns fans will remember well, former quarterback Brady Quinn. Quinn, of course, is the former first-round pick by the Browns out of Notre Dame, who started 12 games in three seasons in Cleveland before he was traded to Denver. Now, Quinn is a college football analyst for Fox Sports and can be heard on Fox Sports on Sirius XM with Jonas Knox on Sundays from 8 to 11 p.m. Quinn talked to our own Mary Kay Cabot for a series of stories she's writing about Baker Mayfield and what to expect from him in year number three. Previously, she spoke with ESPN's Dan Orlovsky, an interview you also heard on this podcast. You can find it by going back in our feed a little ways. Brady Quinn talked about why he believes Mayfield could put last season behind him and the qualities he possesses will allow him to become a franchise quarterback in the NFL. Now, before we get to the interview, let me remind you about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay, Scott Patsko, and Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can also text us back and we'll respond directly to you. It cuts through the clutter of social media. And you get an exclusive newsletter every day with a piece of content that's only for our Football Insider subscribers. Now, this is especially important this week because on Thursday night, we're holding a Zoom call for our subscribers all about Mayfield. We'll talk about where he's been, where he's going, what we expect from him in year three, and of course, we will take questions. So if you want to check it out and see if Football Insider is for you, you can start your 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. You can also text 216-208-3965 to get signed up again to start your 14-day free trial, which would include getting in on that Zoom call on Thursday night. Text 216-208-3965. Now, here's Mary Kay's interview with Brady Quinn. When you think of Baker Mayfield heading into 2020, what comes to mind about what you think, what kind of season you think he'll have? I think he's going to have kind of a breakout year. I don't know if you consider his, his rookie year kind of that, you know, considering him setting the rookie quarterback touchdown record. But I really do feel like this year is going to be a big jump for him. And to me, in, in watching last year, it didn't have anything to do so much with, with him necessarily. I mean, he didn't play as well as he needed to, but it was also a lot of the things that around him. So I, I'm kind of looking for 
that jump, not only from him, but really the entire team, because I think he's going to have a better offensive line, a better running game. I think, you know, if you look at Stefanski's system and a lot of the outside zone running scheme, a lot of the play action and the boots and the things off of that, they create a lot of space, you know, for you to be able to make some, some, I don't want to say easy throws, but easier throws downfield in some bigger windows. And so Odell and Jarvis when he's healthy and everyone else, whether it's, you know, Higgins or Njoku or Hooper, like all those guys are going to be beneficiaries, I think, of this system and of the way they run the football and utilize Nick Chubb. Um, and so, so I'm really looking for, you know, the entire offense, not just Baker, to really kind of take that, that next big step, I think. When you look at last season and you see that he had 21 interceptions, what do you what was going on there? Um, I think there was maybe a, a couple of things at play. I mean, you know, you had an offense that had introduced some new pieces. Sometimes you're trying to get on the same page uh, with the wide receiver, and, and people tend to think that, like, that stuff happens over one offseason. I mean, look, to, to be elite in the NFL, it takes years of that. You know, being able to understand a guy's body language and develop that rapport. So, um, you know, I think could, could that have been a little bit of it? Maybe not saying Odell play quite as well. You know, was it a potential of him not being 100%? You know, only the people behind closed doors know that answer. But I do think those things play a bit of a role. I don't know that the protection, again, was as good. So I think he was put in some tough spots. And I think the defense is the side of the ball that probably doesn't get talked about enough. And that's the side that if they want to be elite and if they want to try to win the AFC North, you have to be able to play good defense like Pittsburgh, like Baltimore. So that's the side of the ball, too, that I'd love to see not put so much pressure on Baker and have those guys play up to the capability because they've done a good job drafting. Now it's about development. Now it's about those guys really uh, maturing and growing and becoming the defense. I think they're capable of being. You know, when a when a quarterback gets into a situation like that where he's sort of maybe pressing and uh, forcing the ball a little bit too much, uh, is, is it? Do you think it'll be easy enough for him to get out of that mindset and still be as aggressive as he likes to be throwing the football? It depends upon the concepts and you know who's there. You know, if Todd Munkin's there. And, and he's stressing pushing it down the field more, you know, or, or that's what, you know, previous regime wanted versus, you know, what they were doing a, a couple years ago. Those sometimes can be two different things, right? Everyone's making a big deal about Jameis Winston and the 30 interceptions. We did lead the league in passing yards. He did throw over 30 touchdown passes. He was second in the league in touchdown passes. So, you know, with those high-risk throws, you know, there comes some reward, and you'd like to find a better balance of that. Um, but a lot of times, you know, that's not necessarily going to come uh, in year one when, you know, again, depending on how much the offense, the offensive philosophy changed, which, again, I'm not in those meetings, so I don't necessarily know. Uh, so it's hard to tell. But, you know, those sorts of things can take some ironing, you know, ironing out to, to do or, or, you know, a little ironing out before you're able to see, you know, you're able to reap the benefits of being able to put out the field consistently. Um, so I, again, I, I don't know if it's so much predicated on the system versus you know him forcing things or wanting to get certain guys the ball. It's probably a balance of the two. Um, but again, you know, I, I just feel like when your offensive line isn't protecting as well, and when your defense is putting you in some tough spots, you know, you have to press, you have to take chances because you know otherwise, what do, what do you guys want them to do? Just check it down and let the game end. You know, I mean, that's the tough thing is when, when you're down and you're behind. You know, how many of those interceptions came when, when they were you know trailing? How many of those interceptions came when 
Um, you know, they need him to make a play. He's trying to make a play, but it ends up being intercepted. I mean, it's the one of two results that's going to happen. So um, that's the other thing, and that's why I keep going back to the defense. They need to take the jump they need to take. You, you don't see the best teams in the NFL put their quarterbacks in that situation that often. And when it comes to um, this year, Alex Van Pelt is working on some new footwork with, with Baker Mayfield. Uh, obviously, having played the game yourself, What's it like to have to try to, you know, get that new muscle memory going and change your footwork when you're heading into your third NFL season? It, it's tough. I think changing anything from a fundamental standpoint at this point in time in your career can be incredibly difficult. Uh, but the good thing is, and actually the fact that we're kind of dealing with COVID-19 allows you just basically sit and be singularly focused on, on some of that footwork, right? You know, it may be hard to get out there and throw to wide receivers. And so when you're out there working, you're working on the rhythm and the way those steps work within, you know, it, it, you've got now five and seven step drops or play action, you know, pass, you know, drops because you don't really have three steps too much anymore. But all those things you're able to rep and really just focus and hone in on that. And so when you get out there on the field, you're not thinking so much about your footwork and what it should feel like and the rhythm and timing of it. Um, you're just out there playing. So that, that, that to me, is, is one of the, I think, the positives that you can take uh, out of the situation that they're dealing with right now. And, and look, Alex Van Pelt, you know, comes from that, that West Coast system where timing and footwork and those things are imperative. And so for Baker to be able to have that sort of sense of rhythm and timing within the system where when you go back and, and maybe look at it, and again, I'm not saying there's any specific examples of this, but they might be watching film from last year and saying, you know, hey, if you get this ball out on your first hitch, maybe it's not an interception, or maybe it's a completion, or maybe at worst an incompletion. Uh, but instead, you took a second hitch and you you hung on the guy, or you waited too long. You know, those sorts of uh, things a lot of times play into your footwork and the rhythm of that particular play. When you watched him last year, did it ever st- uh, stand out to you in any way, shape, or form that you know maybe his footwork was a little off, or is that? something that like it wouldn't have stood out to to most people yeah no there was times where i think you looked at him in a clean pocket and and you thought you know he was maybe a little bit off off you know off his base or you know maybe uh, just i mean his footwork has always been kind of unique just from watching him uh, at oklahoma and granted it's kind of different in the college system and you know how much they're running from shotgun and the things they're doing but um He's always had good feet. You know, he's a good athlete, and, and he keeps a great base. Uh, so there, there's times when you saw him, you know, maybe move when he didn't have to or hold the ball longer than he needed to. But a lot of that has to do, too, again, with getting to know the guy you're eventually throwing to, you know, trusting he's going to be where you think he's going to be and being on the same pace there. And then also just his maturation process, you know, as, as a quarterback. You know, he, he hasn't started two full seasons, so – uh, he, he's still getting those games under his belt and still trusting what he's seeing out there and trusting how he's anticipating things. In terms of, of his skill set, what did you um, you know, what did you think of him when you saw him in twenty eighteen that made you think, you know, wow, he's he's really got what it takes to be amazing in this NFL, in, in this league, if that's what you thought. He's an accurate passer. You know, and that's the biggest thing. You know, I and I go back to his college days. He is deadly accurate. I mean, I, I was going and coming through his throws, preparing for the Big 12 championship game versus TCU that year. And I said on the broadcast, you know, he's one of the most accurate passes of any level that I've ever seen. Going through game after game after game after game, 
And, and a lot of people will say, well, it's Lincoln Riley's system or it's um, the Big 12, they don't play defense. And I'm like, dude, he had like four incompletions. And even those four incompletions, he put in a spot where his wide receiver got a hand on the ball, but it was away from the defender and, you know, maybe should have been caught. Like every single ball he threw was extremely accurate where it, it either allowed the player to catch and run or put the ball in a spot where the wide receiver or receiver in this case could catch the ball and didn't have to worry about the defender making a play on it. So that, to me, you know, from what he was able to do his rookie year when he came in, uh, it still translates for him. And I think as he gets more comfortable, you know, with the protection, with what he's seeing from the, the wide receivers he's throwing to, um, and all of that, I think he'll continue to keep building upon that that confidence, and you're going to continue to see him be one of the more accurate passes in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, it seems to me when I've looked at like some of the the quarterbacks that are his size, his height, they always have something exceptional that they can do that sort of overcomes that height. And for me, uh, when when watching Baker, it was always that accuracy. I thought that he, you know, that's the thing uh, that's going to make this work for him. Uh, do you, do you kind of see it that way? Well, I would say in this way, I think any NFL quarterback who's going to be a franchise quarterback has to do something extraordinarily well. You know, if, if you are just a guy who, you know, doesn't do anything, you know, that great, but doesn't do anything that bad, you'll probably end up being more of a backup. You know, that, that's just that's just how the league works. You know, you can go through that draft year of every one of those guys. You know, Baker, to me, was the most accurate. That's why he was probably the number one overall. Then you look at guys like Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Josh Rosen, and all of them have their own attributes, right? Like, Donald, to me, was the best at being able to move in the pocket and make a play and make something happen. Allen's got the strongest arm of that group. Lamar Jackson was the most athletic where he brings that other element. And then I would have said Josh Rosen, when you're talking football with him, he was the furthest ahead as far as football IQ. But you can see how each one of those things, how it's benefited or hurt you know, them, depending on who they are and how their journey's been. But Baker's was always that accuracy. So... Um, that, to me, is what I think gives every one of those guys I just mentioned an opportunity to be a franchise guy, with the exception of Rosen, only because he's, he's on a second franchise now. And unfortunately, he's literally been a part of, I think, in the two years that he was, you know, after he was drafted, was a part of the two worst probably teams and rosters. So it's, it's just unfortunate the situation that he's entered into. And, you know, your, your mental advantage that you have in college as far as football IQ will take you a lot farther uh, at the college level than it will at the NFL level. How about the fact that he's heading into his fourth coordinator in three years in the NFL, learning a whole new language all over again, uh, basically kind of starting from scratch in some ways? Yeah, I mean, like the four and three gets a little, you know, overdone only because of, you know, how, how some of those firings go. When you fire a coach mid-season, you're not changing the offense. You know, you're changing the guy who's calling plays, but you can't wholesale change the system. Um, and so we tend to overstate that at times. And I don't know how much the terminology changed so much from his first year to his second year either. This year, I would say there's probably a fair amount of turnover and change in everything he's gone through. And so the tough part about that is he had a great rookie year, and then he, you know, everyone thinks he's taking a step back in the second year, and he, and he probably did, and he'd probably admit that maybe. But again, like I said, he didn't have a, didn't have a ton of help. I think the whole team took a step back. And then you look at, this year, and it's such a big year in evaluating any quarterback, especially one that you've got that's been able to start for almost 
it'll be two, and then at the end of this year, you should have a pretty good idea of, of what you know Baker's capable of doing. But the point you bring up, another offense, again, with a different guy calling the plays, that's the complicated part. And that's the hard part for, I think, Stefanski, but also Paul DePodesta and you know Andrew Barry and everyone else who's going to be evaluating him is you have to be more patient. You have to give this more time. Because if, if you try to make an irrational decision, if this year doesn't go as good as you want it to go, you know, you might miss out on, you know, signing into that long-term deal that he, he might prove in his fourth year that, that he's deserving of. Just because it, it takes usually at least a couple years to get that system ingrained where you're not thinking, you're just out there playing. And how about, um, you know, the fact that he has taken the initiative to do, I'm calling him Camp Mayfields, uh, you know, getting the guys together in the midst of, of COVID. Uh, this is a challenging offseason for, for a young quarterback trying to learn a new system, obviously. But what does that say to you that he's willing to, to do that? Well, look, I mean, it's what everyone's doing right now. You know, you, you talk to any, any quarterback that's a franchise guy, it's what they're doing. So I, I think he's putting himself in the right position and putting the, the team in the right position to be able to, you know, once they get in to be able to practice and be together, they're not going to be starting from scratch. You know, they're, they're, they shouldn't be as rough of a transition as, you know, people who would be doing that. But, you know, to be, to be blown, every single team is doing that to some capacity. Everyone made the biggest deal about Tom Brady doing it with the Bucks and talking to Cameron Brady, their tight end. He's like, yeah, we've been doing this for a while. It's like it's just now becoming public because it was the first one that people taped and we're able to get photos and then pictures of. Yeah, that's true. I guess you really have to do it. I remember back when, uh, can't, you know, Colt did it during the lockout years. Uh, it's just something you have to do. Same, same, same thing in Denver. You know, I, I did it with Chris Cooper for the offense. Brian Doggins did it for the defense in Denver, you know, heading into that 2011 year. We went and practiced at Valor Christian. We all put in money to fund uh, now their strength trainer, Lauren Landau, who would handle the workouts, and then I'd run us through the offense and the installs um, that, that I would find my ways of getting. You know, at that time, Kyle Horton thought he was getting traded. Tebow was kind of off doing his own thing and wasn't around quite as much, so... Um, you know, that was kind of how, you know, we handled things there during the lockout year. But like I said, I mean, everyone's doing that kind of stuff right now. And to be honest, if you're not doing that, you know, you're, you're not keeping up with everyone else. You're really getting a step behind. And, and one more thing for you, Brady, if you don't mind, and that is, you know, when you plug a lot of guys into this system, you know, the the Gary Kubiak system that Kevin Stefanski ran in uh, Minnesota last year and that coaches are running elsewhere that has been really so successful, Um what is it about that system that that you can take? I mean, you don't even have to be a superstar quarterback, but uh, even a, an above-average quarterback seems to really flourish and thrive in it. Uh, they run the football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- th- that's the thing that people, you know, tend to just take for granted is, is if you're going to expect your quarterback in today's game where there is a decisive athletic advantage to the defensive front, and these edge rushers and these guys chasing the quarterbacks, if you're going to think they're going to sit back there and sit in the pocket and be able to win from the pocket consistently, you're dead wrong. You have to have some semblance of balance. You have to have some ability to run the football and be able to utilize arguably sometimes your, one of your best players. I think Nick Chubb's been underutilized his entire time in Cleveland. So really, Kevin Stefanski coming in now, and, then, and Bill Callahan, who's one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. You know, Munchak in Denver – Callahan there in Cleveland, he's going to help that group tremendously. Like Bill Callahan might be one of the biggest assets 
for Baker Mayfield just from a protection standpoint and giving him that running game so they're not sitting in third and seven plus, um, you know, for eight of their 12 third downs in a game. It's tough to win that way. So it's, it's an effective system because there's balance. They run the football. They mimic, you know, their concepts. So when you look at what San Francisco does, everything they do mirrors something else. So if they've got to run in from a certain personnel in a certain formation, they've got to pass off of that or a boot off of that or a screen off of that. They have a variety of concepts that they can use from any personnel group, from any formation, and they're going to throw the whole thing at you. And so as a defense, you can't look at an offense and say, well, they're in this personnel, they're in this formation, they're basically running these two plays. No, they've got three or four plays they're running from that. So those guys can't really play as aggressive, and they can't get a beat on what the offense is doing. Uh, that's one of the reasons why they're so effective, um, whether it's with the outside running scheme, their zone blocking scheme, uh, or just the play calling in general. But, uh, you know, like I said, I, I expect big things from this year. You know, last year I thought they'd go 10-6. and six. I, w- I was wrong. It was the opposite. I think I was maybe just a year off. And maybe everything they went through last year will help galvanize this group. And they will be that 10-6 and six team this year. And do you think that, um, can you envision Baker being a, a top-10 quarterback when, when it all shakes out? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, look, he's got the talent, and he's got the ability around him. And it's now just being able to put it together in the first year in a system with a, a, a division where he's got to face two of the top ten, maybe top five defenses twice, or excuse me, four times. So that's that's where you start kind of looking at the fact that, like, the division plays a factor, too. It's, it's not like he's playing the AFC East now. You know, it's not like he's, he's dealing with, with that group of teams for a while, even though it is improving and getting better. So, um, yeah, there, but there's no doubt right, I, I, I think he can be that guy. Make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, text 216-208-3965 to start your 14-day free trial of Football Insider. I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening.